0: Welcome to the St. George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Shall we pray? God, I want to thank you for your word. I thank you that you speak to us through it. And I pray that as we listen together now that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying. And I pray that through your word this evening, we would all leave this place more in love with you than when we arrived. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Richard, and I'm the curate down the road at Holy Trinity, Lane. I am very thankful for the opportunity to be able to speak to you all this evening, especially considering that, as Josh said, this is our last in our series on the book, of Hebrews. Now the title I've been given for this talk is Jesus, A Better Life. And I love that title because I think that what that title does is signify that all the in-depth and potentially quite dense theology that can be found in the book of Hebrews is not meant to remain simply as head knowledge. It's meant to make an impact in how we live day to day. I think this point is made in the passage we heard read by Beth just a few moments ago. Now, at the end of Hebrews chapter 12, we see a therefore. Now, I hope that those of us who've been to a few of these Hebrews talks knows by now that when we see a therefore, you are meant to ask, what's the therefore Therefore. Now, in this instance, I think there's a couple of answers. One answer is to say that the therefore is referring directly to what has come just before it in the rest of Hebrews 12. Now this is a correct answer, but I also think that we can understand this therefore as referring to the entirety of the book of Hebrews. It's looking back to all we've learned about Jesus as the perfect human, perfect sacrifice, perfect promise, perfect faith, perfect glory and perfect saviour. And it is saying that because of all that Jesus has done for us, we are to respond in a certain way. This is key to acknowledge because primarily Christianity is about what God has done in Jesus. In Jesus, God sent his son into the world to save us from our sins we can have a relationship with God for eternity because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, this is amazing news. that's right at the heart of the Christian faith. However, quite often, we can fall into the trap of assuming that because it's all about what Jesus has done, it doesn't really require anything from us at all. That's not true. In fact, it's the opposite that's true. Because of what Jesus has done for us, everything is required from us. Let's get stuck in today's passage and see how the author of Hebrews explains this: In Hebrews 12:28, it says that we are to be thankful and to worship God with reverence and awe. Now, there's quite a few words in that short phrase that I would like to unpack. Now I think the idea of being thankful to God for all he's done for us is fairly self-explanatory. However, I would like to dig into the idea of worshiping God with reverence and awe. So firstly, worship. Quite often when we think of worship, we think of what we've already been doing this evening and what we're gonna do more of later on. I am of course talking about sung worship. Now, I'm a huge fan of sung worship. I've been involved in sung worship as a drummer and then as a worship leader for as long as I can remember. I think the Bible tells us to sing our worship to God and the book of Psalms gives us plenty of examples of biblical worship songs. Let me be clear when I say that I am all for sung worship. However, when the Bible speaks about worship, it doesn't just limit it to singing. And I don't think this passage is talking about singing when it talks about worship. This is because the Greek word that's translated as worship in this passage is translated as the verb to serve in a lot of other places in Scripture. So the word to, verb to worship or rather to worship is used as to serve in other places. Now this can seem quite strange to us because quite often the ideas of worshiping and serving, we can often think of them as quite different things. However, in scripture, they are much more linked to one another. So, when we're told in this evening's passage to worship God because of all he's done for us, what we're actually being told to do is to serve God. And this service of God is to be thought of as worship just as much as any singing or musical worship should be. We don't just worship God when we sing. We have the opportunity to worship God at all times and in all places as we serve him in the situations and the places that God has called us to. We'll dig more into chapter 13 shortly, but even just a quick survey of that passage tells you just how wide-ranging our worship or our service of God should be. It covers everything. Our response to all that God has done for us isn't confined to our sung worship of him on a Sunday. It should span our whole lives as we seek to serve him each and every day. Now I could stop here as there is more than enough to be getting on with in terms of figuring out all the implications for our life, just as we think about worship spanning all of our life. However, Hebrews 12 has some more to say about how we are to worship God. Now, perhaps surprisingly for some, we are encouraged to worship God in an acceptable way. I don't know how often you think about whether or not your worship to God is acceptable to him. I don't think about it all that often. However, this passage would seem to suggest that perhaps we should start thinking about it in this way, because if it's possible to offer God acceptable worship, presumably that would mean it's possible to offer God unacceptable worship. For those of us who are Christians... This should cause us to sit up and take notice. If we're going to worship or serve God, as each Christian should want to do, then it's important that we know how to do it in a way that's acceptable to him. Now, fortunately, the writer of Hebrews doesn't leave us to guess at what this might be. They give us a bit of a hand. However, I think the way that Hebrews describes acceptable worship will be Quite surprising for a lot of people too, potentially even more surprising for the fact that acceptable worship is a category in and of itself. Hebrews seems to associate acceptable worship with the ideas of reverence and awe. These are two words that aren't very commonly used today, but they are nevertheless important biblical words. So I want us to explore them both briefly. So firstly, reverence. So, the Greek word for reverence here is used only one other place in all of Scripture. But the other place where that's used it's not actually translated as reverence. It's translated as modesty. Now, as I'm sure you're aware, modesty is all about not having an overly inflated sense of self. We all know people who are full of themselves and their own importance. They're always very loud about how good they are and how impressive their latest achievements are. This passage is telling us that we're not meant to be like that as we serve and worship God. The reason for this is found in the second word used to describe acceptable worship to God. That second word is awe, so we've had reverence and awe. Now, somewhat confusingly, The Greek word that's used for awe here is also used in only one other place in Scripture, but in that other place, it's translated as reverence, which doesn't help us out all that much, but it's used in one other place in Scripture. And when talking about this Greek word, the theologian Donald Guthrie says, this word can be understood as meaning an attitude of mind which acknowledges the greatness of God. It has connotations of submission, and an awareness of exactly who it is we're approaching when we come to God. The other place where it's used is in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. Listen to what this verse has to say. It says, Jesus, so we're talking about Jesus here, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Now, that reverence word is the Greek word for awe. I know it's confusing, but stay with me. So did you notice that Jesus cried out to God the Father with prayer and supplication because he recognised it was only God the Father that could save him from death? We all need to recognise that. When it comes to our eternal salvation, it's only God that can save us. Jesus recognised this, and he acted accordingly. He recognised that he was entirely in the hands of God the Father and he prayed and cried out to him in a way that reflected that. If Jesus did this, then how much more should we do this? This is what all is and it works together with reverence. The acceptable worship or service that the author of Hebrews is talking about is all about recognizing how big and powerful God is and how comparatively small and weak we are in comparison to him. So, there is much more I could say about the end of Hebrews chapter 12, but the key takeaways from these couple of verses are this. Some worship is one part of a much broader understanding of worship. That can be understood as serving God in all aspects of life. As we serve God in this way, we're to pay attention to how we do it. And this passage tells us that we're to do so in reverence and awe as we simultaneously think less of ourselves and more about the greatness of God. So, this is all very well and good. But the question that quite often follows from anything theological is usually, so what? Theological discussion is interesting and fun for, in my experience, quite a small subsection of people. But most people, particularly Christians, most Christians are more interested in what the practical application is for their lives. Fortunately, the author of Hebrews has these people in mind when writing chapter 13. Just listen to some of the ramifications or areas of life that serving God with reverence and awe impacts on. According to Hebrews 13, this kind of reverence and awe, worship and service of God impacts how we should relate to others, our sex lives, our relationship with money and possessions, how we view our leaders, the kind of teachings we should listen to, and how we should pray now this isn't an exhaustive list but there is more than enough here to demonstrate that the fact that worshipping God impacts how we live our lives the question is how i think this is found in the reverence and awe piece of what we've been talking about if we're to focus more on God and less on ourselves This involves us understanding and aligning ourselves with how God would have us live and surrendering our own ideas of what we think is good. If we really believe that God is all sin and we, in comparison to him, are not, then we have no other option but to align ourselves with him. If we find ourselves in the position of disagreeing with God or thinking that he's got something wrong, What we're actually doing is minimizing him and maximizing ourselves. This is not worshipping in reverence and awe. This is putting ourselves in the place of God. So a true sign of how thankful we are to God for all he's done for us and a true sign of how much we've understood what we've heard about reverence and awe is by seeing the extent to which we're willing to obey God even when we want to do something opposite to what his will is for our lives. Let's take an example. Hebrews 13 verse five says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Now, I think we need to acknowledge something here. I think basically everyone likes the idea of having lots of money and having nice stuff. Maybe it's just me. I've got a sneaking suspicion it might not be. It's a normal human impulse. And it's worth saying, a certain amount of money and stuff is required to cover the essentials that we need for life. However, and I'm going to make a bit of an assumption here, I think for most people here, we have the essentials basically covered. And we're running after things that aren't in the category of need. So we're running after things we don't need, rather than taking heed of the words in Hebrews 13, 5, and being content with what we have. At this point, we have a choice. We can either decide that despite what Hebrews 13, 5 says, we can keep on running after material stuff, or we can take on board the instruction to worship God with reverence and awe in all aspects of our lives and submit to the command to be content With what we have and then that enables us to be more generous with what we do have to the people around us that's one example let's look at another hebrews 13 verse 1 contains within it the instruction to keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters so we can read that instruction and do one of two things we can either decide that actually we're going to elevate ourselves to the level of God and decide for ourselves whether or not we actually have to do that thing. Or, we can recognise that God is God and we're not and submit ourselves to what he's commanded us to do through his word. Now, in the context of loving others as siblings, this could mean no longer gossiping about people we don't like. It could mean getting out of our comfort zone and spending time with people that we wouldn't normally choose To spend time with or it could mean apologizing to somebody and asking for their forgiveness for something wrong that we did all of this and more is contained within the command to love people as brothers and sisters the command is there the choice we're faced with is whether to submit to god or to exalt ourselves to the level of god and decide that we don't actually need to do what god requires of us in this area now i know that can sound like a high bar and it is in jesus god has given everything for us therefore we're to give everything to him not to earn his love but as a response to it to be really clear we're not saved by what we do we're saved by what he's done for us However, what he's done for us should make a difference to how we live. Now, living the Christian life is great, but it's not easy. Fortunately, we're not on our own, and there are a few ways we can find help as we seek to live a life of worship that pleases God. So one of the key ways, if not the key way, of moving towards living a whole life of worship that pleases God is by ensuring That we are regularly coming to him in prayer. I've said before in a previous sermon here that no one can live the Christian life by just gritting their teeth and trying really hard. Eventually everyone will fail at that but fortunately for us we're not on our own. As Christians we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us who can help us and guide us on our walk with God. In John's Gospel, Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit, and he says that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything I, as in Jesus, have said to you. Now, here at St. George's, as we have already heard this evening, we often pray and ask God to send his Holy Spirit on us. There are many reasons why this is a good thing to do. However, one key and sometimes overlooked reason is that the Holy Spirit is a teacher who teaches us to live as God would want us to now to be clear this teaching is a process and it can take time sometimes I know I fall into this trap of praying for something particular and when the thing I've prayed for doesn't happen immediately and as I think it should have happened I just assume that it can't work and that God doesn't care Now, as a Christian, I don't actually believe this is true. Instead, what I imagine is more likely is that in an age that expects things instantly, a God that works through time and in the process takes some getting used to. Let me reassure you, living in a way that pleases God is a lifelong process. The Bible speaks about how we're being changed from one degree of glory to another. It takes time. However, if we're not praying to be filled with and taught by the holy spirit it's going to be really hard so one way to ensure that we live in a way that god would want us to is through regular prayer and by being filled with the holy spirit and there'll be an opportunity for that later on a second way to ensure that we're living in a way that pleases god is to invite otherwise christians into our lives now, I want to be clear here. I'm not, I'm not talking about people who we can have a nice time and a laugh and a joke with. These people are vital. I love these people. We all need people who we can have a laugh with. However, the people I'm talking about here is just a, 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 maybe one, two, through three people who we can be totally upfront and honest with. These need to be people who you can say what you're struggling with honestly and clearly. As well as this, it needs to be someone who loves you enough to pull you up on the areas where you might be slipping. It's no good surrounding ourselves with yes men or women who simply affirm everything we do and tell us how great we are. We need people who do that as well as calling us out when it's right to do so. We're not called to be Christians on our own, we're called to be in community. However, sometimes community is presented in quite a sanitised and rose-tinted way. Community can and is a great source of joy. However, sometimes it can also be something that's hard work, and at times it can be hard to take, as the people you surround yourself with sometimes tell us things that we maybe don't like to hear. But all this stuff is vital, and it's important, if we're going to live the kind of life that fits into that acceptable worship with reverence and all stuff that we talked about earlier. There are loads of ways that we can help ourselves to live lives that are pleasing to God. However, I think these two, regular prayer and really close, honest community around us get us a good deal of the way there. So... As I finish and we look to respond to what God has had to say to us through this evening's passage of Scripture, I'm just going to recap because I know, I know there's been quite a lot in there. We started off by figuring out exactly what this passage means by worship, and we saw that in this context it's actually talking about our whole life. We also found that this whole life worship involves submission to God in all elements of life as we recognise how small we are in comparison to his greatness. We then briefly explored some ways in which we can be more intentional about how we can do what we can over time to ensure we are living the kind of life that's pleasing to God. Again, not to earn his love, but in response to his love for us. thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast for more talks or information visit stgs.org.uk